Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. We may not finish this morning because, you know, I'm faithful some might have burnt steak if I do. So we might have to divide this up into two messages, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, Hebrews 4, I'm going to read through verse 13. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being less of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then they would he not afterwards spoken of another day. That word, no, the name Jesus there is actually referring to Joshua. Josh, Jesus is Joshua in Greek, and it's referring to Joshua. But anyway... Verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from, uh, from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And again, the him and the, and the he there in verse 13 is referring to the word of God. Of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the word of God incarnate. Uh, so this morning, I want to preach a message to you entitled, Enter into the rest of the Lord. Enter into the rest of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your word. We thank you that we can have assurance that we have the very words of God. For your word tells us, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so, Father, we rest in that promise. And I pray that you help us to rest in the promises of God for everyday life. I pray that you encourage our hearts today and challenge us and help us realize that salvation is a rest in the word of God. Living by faith is resting in the Word of God. So pray that you just work in our hearts, help our minds to receive the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the, one of the uh, greatest causes of bad health in the world today is stress. Stress. According to Mayo Clinic staff, Mayo Clinic staff, Stress symptoms may be affecting your health, even though you may not realize it. You may think illness is a blame for that irritating headache, your frequent insomnia, your decreased productivity at work, but stress may actually be the cause. Common effects of stress. Indeed, stress symptoms can affect your body, your thoughts, feelings, your behavior. Being able to recognize common stress symptoms can help you manage your feelings and your behavior. 
stress that's left unchecked can contribute to many health problems, such as high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, and so on. Uh, common effects of stress on your body, headache, muscle tension, fatigue, uh, stomach upset, sleep problems, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, feeling overwhelmed, irritability, anger, sadness or depression, or on your behavior, overeating, undereating, angry outbursts, drug and alcohol abuse, tobacco use, social withdrawal, exercising left off, and sleep problems. All these are things that stress affects or can cause according to health officials. Um, But the Bible speaks of rest for the believer. And the word uses the word rest or rested quite a few times in this passage. And the first time that rest or rested is mentioned is in first is in Genesis two two. And you know in the Bible there's the law of first what they call the law of first mention the first time a word is used, that's going to affect or determine what the, how that word is used or what it means throughout the, the scriptures. And the word rested there means, of course, it's talking about God rested the seventh day from all his works. It means to cease, to desist from labor. Here in the book of Hebrews, the word rest speaks of a fixed and tranquil or calm abode. And basically, it is simply to abide in the finished work of Christ. And that's how we could sum it up. You know, Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration, wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, so be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. That word careful means anxious or troubled. Now, that's easier said than done. But it is part of the growth of the Christian life. We ought to be less and less careful, in other words, anxious, I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious throughout life. But we ought to be less and less anxious about things in life. The more we learn about God, the more we learn to trust God, we ought to be less anxious about things that we face in life. After we all, we do believe that God is sovereign, right? You know, to be anxious means to be worked up. It's not resting in the Lord. And, of course, this is is harmful to your body as well. According to the American Psychological Association, chronic stress is linked to the six leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. And more than 75% of all physician office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. 75%. And that was according to March 21st, 2014. Uh, American Psychological Association. So the Bible speaks here about entering into the rest. And so we ought to strive to enter into the rest of the Lord. I want to notice three things here, and I have, of course, a few sub-points. First of all, we see a rest extended. Secondly, we're going to see a rest neglected. And thirdly, a rest appropriated. But if you are taking notes, you might want to leave some room between those points because there's some uh, sub-points. Anyway, first of all, a rest extended. 
And notice verse 1 and 2. They are therefore, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being less tough of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. You know, the, this rest of the Lord is offered. I know there's several things here. The rest of the Lord is offered to all. He says, lest a promise being less left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And we notice here that the author first includes himself and then excludes himself in the same verse, in verses 1 and 2. If you notice, he says, let us therefore uh, fear, and then he says, lest, uh, let us, uh, uh, any, uh, lest any of you, the end of the verse, any of you should seem to come short of it. So, so the author, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, is saying, look, I've entered into this rest. There may be some of you who are, have not yet. Or you're falling back. You're falling short of it. Again, in verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So there's the us and them. You know, we, we in our world today, we don't, we don't like this idea of us and them. But you know, it is us and them. Because when you boil it all down, there's really only two groups of people in the world. There's the saved and the lost. I mean, we make a lot of other categories in life, but when you boil it all down, uh, there's only saved and lost. It's us and them. But this salvation or this rest is extended to everyone. It's not extended to us and them. It's extended to us and them. For God's to love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God offers this rest, this salvation rest, to all people. In fact, the them here is referring to Old Testament Israel. And again, this demonstrates to us that the gospel was the same to the Old Testament Israel as it is to New Testament saints, to New Testament people or New Testament times. And he calls it, the gospel, when he says, speaks, speaking of them, uh, in verse 2, but unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so it is a promised rest, and that word promise is a com- compound word, which means it was declared beforehand with some intended good. You know, God, the idea is that God will perform what he has promised. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And he's talking about there, if God asked you as a child of God to perform or do something uh, in, uh, in Christian service for him, God is also make a way or enable you to do it. He will accomplish what he has promised. He will keep his promises to you. And so this promise was extended. You know, there is also the promise of the outpouring of God's wrath on the unbeliever. If you notice in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works will finish from the foundation of the world. And of course, you know, this, this promise of rest is, is to those who believe and, and, and trust in him. Notice verse 4 and 5. For he spake in a certain place as the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. So we know that God has promised an outpouring of his wrath on those who refuse or who will not believe. You 
Two times in Luke 13, Jesus said, except they repent, they shall all likewise perish. God's not a respecter of persons. And so there's this, there's this rest that is uh, extended to all people. Then I want you to notice the second thing. We see the rest neglected. And I want to notice several things here. First of all, there is the potential for unbelief. Verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Let us fear, lest, that word lest means perchance, there be not enough. You know, our belief, you know, this, this teaches us that our belief is related to how much we fear, how much we reverence or respect God. In fact, let me demonstrate it for you. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, verse 10, says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of apse is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now this is a description of the wicked world. It's pretty fitting. Read the newspaper or listen to the news. People don't read the newspaper anymore. Listen to the news. And, and, And what we see in our world is there is no fear, there's no respect or reverence for God. And it carries over in how they treat their fellow man who is made in the image of God. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says the midwives feared God. And you know what they did? And did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children, and life. You know, here they were, these midwives. These were Egyptian midwives. And they were delivering the Hebrew, Hebrew babies. And, 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 you know, Pharaoh was felt threatened by the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, because they were becoming a great nation in Egypt. And so he told the midwives, you kill every man-child that's born. That was an order. But the Bible says the midwives feared God. In other words, they were more afraid of what God would do to them if they carried out that command than what favor would do to them. They had more reverence, they had more respect for God, the the, the Hebrew God, the true God, than they did for Pharaoh. Therefore, they did not. They saved the men and children alive. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 20, He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. You know, and this was one, one of the plagues, the plague of hail, I believe, that, that Moses said was going to come. And he told Pharaoh, I'm going I'm I'm to pray unto the God, and he's going to send this hail. And, and you need to bring your beasts in out of the field. And he told the children of Israel, and all the children of Israel brought their beasts out of the field. And some of Pharaoh's people even brought their beasts out of the field, because that beast was left in the field, it was going to die. 
But many of the Egyptians, they didn't, have any, they didn't have any fear of God. They didn't fear God. And they left their cattle in the field. But there were some who feared God. And they acted. In other words, their fear of God caused them to believe the man of God. The messenger of God. Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. You know, Psalm 36, 1 and 2 says, The transgression of the wicked saith in my heart, There is no fear of God before their eyes, for he flattereth himself in his own eyes. In other words, he, 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 he has more respect for himself than he does of God until his iniquity be found to be hateful. So here he's talking about a man who's wicked. He doesn't fear God. He flatters himself. He prides himself. He, he thinks that, well, God can't see. God's not around. I can do what I want and I can get away with it. I'll be one of those that is the exception. No, you won't. He that created the eyes shall he not see. He that created the ear shall he not hear. You see... There is a potential, and he says, lest, let us therefore fear, lest. The promise being left of us. And so we see the potential here for falling, and it has two applications, both in this passage. This can happen to the lost when they hear the truth and turn away from it. But it can also happen to the child of God when they fail to trust God in life situations. You know, how often do we fail to trust God or believe God in life situations? If you notice in verse 11, I'm going to drop down to verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The word fall here means to lose authority, to no longer have force. Uh, to no longer have force of sayings or precepts. For example, in the scriptures, I was talking to somebody, I shared this with you Thursday night, I was talking to somebody this week about this very thing. But in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 18, 8, it says this, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, in other words, the foretelling of the future, whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, that's the interpretation of languages without language school. Uh, interpretation of languages without language school, they shall cease. It was a sign gift. Whether they be knowledge, and I believe it has the, the, the means there, the, the giving or the writing of scripture, they shall vanish. And so we know that these sign gifts will fall away. In other words, they're going to lose authority. They're going to lose their place. They no longer have force. Because we now have a complete authority. We have a completed Bible. We have a complete revelation of God. We don't need the sign gifts anymore. We have the Word of God. Before the child of God, this is equivalent to being removed from power or authority as God's representative. Now we're here as, as children of God, we're here to represent the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, Jesus warned the church at Ephesus if they didn't repent of their 
of their, of their first love. They didn't repent of that. He said, I will remove thy candlestick. I will remove thy authority. I will remove you as a representative for me. And I believe this removal is what the Bible calls sin unto death. 1 John 5.16 talks about the sin. There is a sin unto death, and I do not say that you pray for it. We see this, an example of this in, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30. Paul, Paul wrote to them and says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And the word sleep there means they have died. Now God had shortened their life. He had removed them as a representative of Him. And this is what happened to many in the wilderness, in the nation of Israel in the wilderness. They believed God for the Passover. They believed God to deliver them from Egypt. But they would not trust God to give them the victory in everyday life. That is, they wouldn't trust God to help them Defeat the walled cities, the nations with chariots of iron, and giants. You know, every day of your life, you're going to face obstacles. Even as a child of God, you're going to face obstacles that seem like mountains. They're going to seem like things that there's no way I can, there's no way I can overcome this. There's no way I can, can, can survive in this. There's no way I can do this. But, you know, we need to come to the place where we say, well, we realize God's there. Yeah, God was already there. God was already there for Israel. He had already promised to give them the victory. He had already promised he'd send in the hornets to drive them out. You see, when we face these obstacles in life, we, we need to understand that God is already there. We just need to let him take the reins and lead us. You see, instead, the children of Israel turned against God by blaming Moses. When the problem was, they did not trust and obey God. They murmured and contended with Moses and Aaron. So we can lose our authority. This word fall could also mean, it also means this, to fail of participating in to mish a share in the messianic salvation. Now, I'm sure there were some in that group. In fact, the Bible tells us there was a mixed multitude that went up with them. And I'm sure that there were some in that group that didn't believe the whole time. They just went along with the rest. They just went along with the rest. Went along with the crowd, because there was a crowd. Several million of them. But they never did believe God. And this was a danger that Paul was warning about in verse 1 here he, when he says, Lest a promise being less of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So this was a danger and warning of this passage. It causes is, is you know, of true salvation. You know, are you going to miss true salvation? You know, the thing that you don't ever see... As we think about these things of coming short, of not entering the rest, 
And of course, these people then blaming Moses and Aaron is, the thing you don't ever read about is of Joshua and Caleb contending with Moses. In fact, we're at Joshua chapter 7, or 14. Joshua 14 for a minute. Joshua 14 and verse 7. Joshua 14, verse 7, says this. And this is Caleb speaking. Forty years old was I when Moses, servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, that statement right there is very important. Caleb wasn't just following Moses. Let's read on. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Sure, the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain where the Lord spake in me in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord hath said. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. The way the Lord spoke to Caleb was through who? Moses. But he didn't say, it was Moses that promised me. He said, it was the Lord that promised me. The Lord promised me 40 years ago, and I may be 80 and 5, but I'm ready to go fight those giants because the Lord promised me. Hey, if you're resting in what the preacher said, or the Sunday school teacher said, or what your mom and daddy said, you're resting in a little stone. You're compensating in a little pebble that the devil's going to come along and pick up and toss. Because that's what your salvation rests on. It's a very weak foundation. It's fallible. But you see, Caleb said, I'm not resting in Moses. I'm resting in the promise of the Lord. You know, we need to be fastened to the rock that cannot move. See, the problem with too many in Israel was they looked at Moses and they didn't look beyond Moses. To the message Moses gave, the words that Moses spoke, they just looked at Moses. As if he was some kind of miracle worker. You know, he was a miracle worker. But he was just the man God used to perform the miracles. It was God that did the miracles. And it's God that can do the miracles in your life. That can help you to overcome those obstacles that the devil in the world raises up in, 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 against you. And, and he can give you direction and wisdom to overcome them. And help you to rest in the battle in the battle 
You see, Joshua and Caleb, they weren't worried about it. They didn't walk around wringing their hands all day long, wondering how are we going to overcome Jericho? How are we going to take on all these nations that are greater and bigger and, and mightier than I and have chariots? And we don't have chariots. They have swords and spears and all we have is forks. And agricultural instruments, they didn't have swords. And we're all foot soldiers. We don't even have any horses. But they weren't fretting and fuming. And they just said, the Lord gave me a promise. And we will be able. And it was God that brought the walls of Jericho down. And God put the fear and dread in them of them in every man in the land. They were all afraid because they heard not what Israel did and not what Moses did, but they heard what God did to the Egyptians at the Red Sea. So we must not neglect the promise or the rest offered us. I want you to know, so there's this potential for unbelief. Secondly, there is an accepted time to receive the promised rest. Notice verses 6 through 8. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. You see, there was an accepted time for Israel in the wilderness. When they came to Kadesh Barnea and they had sent in the 12 spies and the 10 came back with the evil report and the, turn, and the children of Israel as a nation turned against Moses and turned against God and said, we will not go up. And of course, that's when Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, let us go in for the Lord has given us the land. And, and then of course, they would not. They, 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 they had spurned the promise offered to God. They had turned away from it. And it was no longer available to them. But it was offered to their children, whom they said would be a prey. By the way, this was not just the result of their unbelief on one day. They had been rebellious and unbelieving from the day they came out of that Red Sea. Every time there was a problem, every time there was a conflict, every time there was a difficulty, guess who they blamed? Moses. And Aaron. They didn't blame God. Well, they did blame God. It was really blaming God. But see, the person they went to was Moses. Caleb said, Caleb said, Moses isn't going to give it to me. Caleb said, the Lord said, the Lord promised me. You see. And of course, later, David would offer this promise to the people of his day. In Psalm 95, 6 through 9, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his land. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, proved me, and saw my work. 
So David re- reiterated this thing to the, the children of Israel of his day and, and said, you need to enter into the Lord's rest. Don't be like the, 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 our ancestors were in the wilderness. And today, he says, if you will hear his voice. You know, in Genesis 6-3, the Bible says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, yet his days, yet his days, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. You know, Matthew 24, 38 says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. See, God said, I'm not, I'm not always going to strive. I'm not always going to convict. He gave those in Noah's day 120 years. For 120 years, Noah preached the gospel to them. And they put it off, and they put it off, and said no, and said no, and said no, until they, it says they knew not the day that Noah entered the ark. Guess what? That day the invitation was closed. It was too late. It was too late. See, when the Spirit of God is drawing you, you need to repent. Today, it is said today, if you hear His voice, Luke 13, 34, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered thee. Gather thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. And ye would not. Therefore your house is left unto thee desolate. Destruction. Because you would not. John 6, says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. John 4, 23 says, The Father seeketh such to worship him. Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is still seeking people today. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. We can't boast ourselves of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring forth. Well, I want you to notice the third thing. And I'm going to stop with this. The rest must be appropriated. And I've got several points here. I'm just going to stop with the first one. The Lord's rest must be entered. You know, seven times in these 11 verses, from verse 1 to verse 11, the word enter, entered, or entering is used all referring to entering into the Lord's rest. The word enter means to come or to go into. We know that Jesus often said, come unto me. He said, come unto me all. In Matthew 11, 29, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, enter into my rest. Come into my rest. In John 3, 5, Jesus answered Nicodemus. Of course, he answered Nicodemus, said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, that word means truly, truly. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You know, you've got to be born physically, obviously, but you also have to have a spiritual birth. 
If you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to, have, you have to be born spiritually. You have to receive spiritual life. In John 10, and verses 1 and 2, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth in by the door into the sheepfold, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And in John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. You see, if anybody tries to enter in any other way, that's self-effort, self-works. You can't enter the Lord's rest by self-effort. The word rest means to cease from labor. And the way you enter into the Lord's rest or the Lord's salvation is cease from your own works. You have to come to the place where you say, all of my, all of my righteousnesses, as Isaiah says, are as filthy rags. They are worthless in the sight of God. They cannot atone for my sin. So to enter the Lord's rest, we have to cease from our works because the work of salvation is complete. It is finished. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost in which he died. It's all done. Did you ever have a project you were doing and you were going to have somebody and somebody said they were going to come help you? And they showed up one day, and I often say, you're a day late, you're a dollar short. What I mean by that, it's already done. It's already done. See, salvation is already finished. We have to cease from our efforts of trying to earn our way and simply accept what God has done. There's a further application to this in our Christian life. We need to cease from trying to do it our own way. You see, the problem with children of Israel is that they want to do it their way. They thought they could work it out. They thought they could make deals with the people of the land. Compromise. God said no. This is how you do it. Obey me, and I will give you the land. Rest in me. Trust in me. How often we as God's people fail to obey God because we don't see, we don't think how it can work out if we do what God says. You know, that's what Jeroboam thought. How can this work out? If I obey God, children of Israel will go back to the land of Judah to sacrifice you know what? He would have established his kingdom and his family if he'd obeyed God. Because he disobeyed God, he set God against him. And he corrupted. He corrupted his family. He corrupted the entire nation. Spiritually and morally. So the question I have for you today, have you entered God's rest? 
Have you ceased? Have you give up trying to do it your way and accepted God's finished work? If you're saved, are you trying to work things out your way or are you letting God? We're going to talk more about this next week. But are you letting God direct, lead, control your life? See, the problem is we don't like somebody else taking the reins of our life. I don't like somebody else telling me what to do. You know, my natural instinct is if somebody tells me something that I need to do, my natural instinct is this. Who do you think you are? But you know, God knows the end from the beginning. And we need to just trust in him. So how is it with you this morning? Are you resting in the Lord?